I've shown that video before, but I, I believe God wanted me to show it again. Um, that's the most mature prayer you will ever pray is not my will, but your will be done. Um, and I hear very few Christians praying it. Um, and, and so we're going to come back to that in just a minute, but let me give you a couple announcements. Let me, let me tell you this real quick. You need to listen fast today because I got a lot to say and the first service didn't listen fast enough and we went long. So it's their fault. And, uh, if we get out late, it is your fault. Um, today at noon, we have our, our Haiti fundraiser. If you want to get a sack lunch, you can take one to go. You don't have to stay $7. You'll get um sandwich. You'll get, um, lemonade and you'll get, uh, some chips there. Uh, if you want to buy another drink, you can do that as well, but you can, everybody who's staying for our ministry meetings, the, the whole purpose of this raise money for Haiti, but also give you an opportunity to talk to the people who are the faces of these ministries. So if you have any questions come, you'll hear about that there. Um, small groups tonight, there are two groups that are meeting. Most groups aren't meeting. Um, Jeff's group is meeting to catch up for all those people who've missed the first couple of Sundays. It's very important for people to be on, on the same page. Uh, Casey and, and Sherry are going to do that as well. The love and respect. There's so much in that marriage series that if you, if you get in on week three or four, you've missed a ton. So they're going to be here tonight. There will be a, um, baby shower going on in the living room. So do not, they had precedence. They, they were scheduled before uh, you guys decided to have groups. So do not come in here between 4 and 6 p.m. Or the wrath of God shall, you know, something. Um, but seriously, Jeff's group's going to come in the front. Casey's group's going to be over there. Um, after 6 o'clock, it's fine. They'll be cleaning up and we won't be disturbing them. Um, October 20th is Parents' Night Out. And so you can, you can find out about that from uh, Randy. She'll be serving out there. And Jennifer, they're the ones that are doing that. If you have questions, ask them. Uh, and He's in here today, so this is, this is just a hair awkward. But um, my friend Timmy is with us today. We're praising God that Timmy's feeling good and he's with us today. Um, if you would like to give to help with their medical expenses, they didn't know I was going to do this. Um, some of you were here last week. Anything that goes in the white bucket, somebody remind me to put the white bucket at the back at the end, anything that goes there. If you go online and you give through push pay and you designate benevolence the next several days, anything that comes to benevolence will go to them. He spent about five days in the hospital, had, had a pre gallbladder surgery, had gallbladder removed and had a post gallbladder surgery. So, um, we are our brother's keeper and we, uh, we want to help out as much as we can. Four weeks ago, we were looking at a series in a series called This Is What We Do, and we've been talking about what we do as a church. And that Sunday, I talked about the Lord's Supper and baptism. And I read you some verses, verses that I'm about to read again. It was kind of strange then. It's going to be kind of strange now, but I think you'll understand in a minute. So go ahead and put those up there, Bobby. I don't have it on my... <clears throat> this is Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, go there. There's lots of stuff you can write down there. Now, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and fire, and the fire died down. So that the place was called Taber, which means burning, because fire from the Lord had burned against him. All right. What was going on that the children of Israel had gone out of Egypt. God had led them out of Egypt, out of slavery. Uh, God had put, sent 10 plagues to convince Pharaoh that these people are not worth having. You need to get rid of them. The 10th plague was called the death angel. God told the Israelites, if you don't want your firstborn to die, you need to go get a prize of the herd lamb, an innocent lamb, one year old. You need to kill that lamb. You need to take the blood, paint it on the side doorpost and on the top doorpost. When the death angel comes tonight, he will see the blood of the lamb, the innocent third party. He will pass over your house. Your child will not die, but everyone 
in the land whose, whose doorposts were not covered by the blood will die. The firstborn will die. It was such a powerful thing in the life of, of Pharaoh that that 10th thing he said in the middle of the night, he said, get out. I can't handle you and it go. And God delivered them. One year later, they're at Mount, uh, they're at Mount Sinai. They just received all of the law from, from God. Moses had received that. God said, one year ago, I delivered you. I want you to remember the Passover. Tells them how to do the Passover. They celebrate. It's an incredible time of worship. They pack up their camp. Three days later, this happened. They started complaining because we tend to forget the goodness of God. And every time we forget, we're going to complain. God's fire burned. They said, oh no, we've messed up. Moses, Moses. It's kind of funny because usually the people that complain, this is not my words. I actually read this in a commentary. Usually the people who complain the loudest about the leadership of a church are the ones who then need that leadership at some point in their lives. I'm just saying, don't get upset with me. I just read it. Um, But they come to Moses. Moses prayed. Moses prayed. God delivered them. Immediately after that, we pick it up in verse four. The rabble with them. Y'all didn't know that word was in the scripture, did you? Let me, let me tell you what rabble means. Put it up there. The first one, riffraff. I mean, this is actually a translation of this word rabble, riffraff. Now here's my, my translation is the next one. Bottom dwellers. Now you're not going to find that at any Hebrew Greek, Greek scholar. That's, that's the East Texas scholar. Bottom dwellers. All right, next one. Troublemakers. We all know what that is. Next one. Instigators. You know who the instigators are. And then the last one is enemies of the cause. This is important for you to understand. The verses we just read, it was the instigators, the riffraff, who caused the children of Israel to miss God. And you need to understand that as we read this next part. The rabble with them began to crave other food. When people whine and complain, it's contagious. And look what happens to the children of Israel because of the rabble, because of the riffraff, because of the what's in it for me crowd. The rabble began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing. Now, this isn't just whining. This is wailing. This is is a PhD in whining. And said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. And also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlics. We forgot they beat us. We forgot that, that, you know, we were slaves. We had no rights, but oh, the food was good. But now we've lost our appetite. We, we never see anything but this manna. They, they tried everything. They roasted it, they boiled it, they probably stuck it under the sun. They, you know, banana bread, manna cotti, uh, they did it all. Um, look what it says. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it in two loaves. So they tried everything. And it tasted something like, uh, made with something with olive oil. Now, another place we're told that it kind of tastes like uh, a wafer with honey on it. So what this in- indicates is everybody's taste was different. And, and some of them thought it tasted like something with olive oil. Others thought it was wafers with, with honey. I'm, I'm all about that. I love honey, love wafers. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Now, the problem was the riffraff, the rabble, the instigators, the what's in it for me crowd. They caused the people of Israel to miss God. Now, Jesus in the New Testament says something very similar when he talks about the wheat and the tares. He says that a farmer goes out to sow and his enemy comes and he sows weeds. And and so Jesus, here's what Jesus' point is. Anytime there is a true believer in Christ, Satan, the enemy, will make sure that there's there's some type of uh, infiltrator there. Because Satan is an imitator and an infiltrator. So if you're a true believer in Christ and you're in a church that follows after God, Satan will 
attempt to plant imitators and infiltrators in here and they will be troublemakers. Now, I read this. Warren Wiersbe is one of my favorite uh, commentators and I'm studying through the Old Testament. I'm using his commentary. He was a pastor at Moody Bible Church, one of the famous churches in Chicago. Was there for many years, written all kinds of books. I wanted you to hear what Warren Wiersbe had to say, this pastor that I look up to. Over these many years of ministry, I've learned that it isn't enemies outside the local church who do the damage, but counterfeiters who get inside the church fellowship. These intruders might march with the church crowd and act like they are God's people, but they don't have an appetite for spiritual things, and eventually their true allegiance is revealed. Oh my goodness. This rabble. Six days a week, the Israelites, God provided this miraculous thing. They didn't have to do anything. The dew would come on the ground and this little wafer-like stuff. Manna actually means what is it? They didn't know what it was the first time and they said, what is it? And it stuck. So manna, that's what it is. The Bible tells us that it's bread from heaven. Six days a week, they would go out and gather it. On the sixth day, they got twice as much. So it would last through the Sabbath because on the Sabbath day, God didn't send anything. So this was miraculous. It didn't rot overnight. And, and you talk about a multivitamin. This gave them everything they needed. They had water, they had manna, and, and it was everything. It filled them up. It gave them all of their physical needs for years and years and years. And they didn't have to do jack to get it. And they still complained. Oh, we missed the melons. Bible tells us that God gave them manna to test them and they failed the test. With encouragement of the rabble, they forgot, oh, we were slaves in, in Egypt and all they remembered was the stuff that, that, that they liked, their appetite. In the New Testament, Paul says the enemies of the cause of Christ, their God is their stomach. And he's not just talking about food. He's, their God is whatever their appetite is at that moment. Sex, power, drugs, or even food. He says, if you're not careful, that will become your God. Now, before we, before we too harshly criticize the Israelites, this is what happened to me every day as I'm sitting in my chair studying the word of God. I go, man, how can, don't do it again. No. And they do it again. How many times have you heard a word from God? You knew it was a word from God and either you totally ignored it. You lived like it was not in the word of God or, or you said, man, that's awesome. Tammy, you need to hear this. The Bible is God's mirror for you. Not God's mirror for you to turn and show somebody else. Oh, John, John. It even says John. It's for you. No. God gives you a word for you and and you better pay attention. Let me just go on. Verse 10. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. Get this picture. I showed you several weeks ago when the tabernacle, it was the portable worship center is a portable tent, but that's where they worshiped God. It was in the middle of the Israelites and three tribes are over here. There's 12 tribes, three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here. Now just imagine if all of you all lived around the church in a tent and, and I live here too. And I'm walking to work one day and all of you are at the entrance to your tent. <laughs> What's wrong? We don't have any meat. And it's your fault. Everyone was wailing at the entrance to their tent. Are you with me? Some of you aren't. You haven't got it yet. Maybe God will give it to you later. I don't have time for you. The Lord became exceedingly angry because they weren't complaining against God's anointed. They were complaining against God. They were rejecting what he had given them and said, oh, we need more. God, what you're doing is not enough. 
The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? Because that's all they wanted. We want meat. We want meat. Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? I can't even feed teenagers at my house sometimes. How am I going to get meat for all these people? If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. There's a big difference in someone taking their own life and someone doing what Moses said and said, God, if this is the way it's going to be, would you take me? Because I don't, I don't like it. Would you take my life? Because I don't like this. He's still God, not you. And there are several people in scripture that pray this, God, I do not want this. Just take me if this is how it's going to be. Look, what, look how God responds. He says, if I found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. God didn't even get mad. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is in you and I will put it on them. And look what this says. Then they will share the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Four weeks ago, I felt like God wanted me to share this with you. I thought it was on that Sunday, didn't have enough time on that Sunday. And then I kind of avoided it. Honestly, I put it aside and I said, okay, let's not go there. Because I thought the Lord wanted me to tell you how I feel. And and I will tell you this. um, My brother, my oldest brother who who graduated seminary two different times, he shook his fist in God's face. He didn't say, God, if this is how it's going to be, kill me. He said, God, I'm tired of you. Take me out because I'm done. The first time he, he had a disease um, come upon him that at that point there were only three cases in the world. This was in the mid-70s. Dude dies and he is shocked back to life three times in the emergency room. Um, and, and you'd think he'd learn a lesson, but he is a washburn. Um, and so several years later, he did again. God, if this is, and, and, and we're going, we're all stepping back going, you're an idiot. Because he's doing it again. And sure enough, he, he almost dies again. And so I think he's learned his lesson. And if nothing else, I've learned not to raise your fist at God. But I have prayed this prayer. I have said, God, if this is how it's going to be, I don't want to be here anymore. And every time God has added somebody to help carry that burden. And, and the reason I avoided this, because I, I don't like telling people stuff like that. But this week, God showed me this, this passage, this, this wasn't about me. It's about my wife. She has no idea I'm saying this. My wife is overburdened. And part of it is expectations. Now, part of it is she's, she, she's putting expectations on herself, but part of it is some of you are weighing my wife down. And the most beautiful woman I know, her soul is being crushed by the work of the church. You see, it's possible, and this has happened to me, it's happened to pastors that I love and respect. It's possible that doing the work of the church destroys the work of God in you. And there are crushing things that come down upon us. And I'm not, I'm not asking for any sympathy because we love this church and we love what we do. But what I'm asking you is, Stop trying to force my wife into your mold. That's not acceptable. That is not your job. The Holy Spirit, that job is taken. 
by the Holy Spirit. You don't get to be the Holy Spirit in my wife's life. Now, I'm not talking about anything in particular, so don't think, oh, my God. You know, I'm just saying, Janie will not allow a job to go undone. That's in us. We, we're just going to do it. But today, she's back there both services. She said, I don't get to come to church today because I've got to do this. And she will do the job, and she'll keep going. But I'm telling you, her soul is being crushed by the work of the church. And we have way too many people who do nothing for the kingdom of God. Now, if that offends you, there are at least 122 churches in the city limits of Palestine. And you're welcome to go there. You're welcome to leave right now. Nobody will even say a word. If you're going to be a part of this church, you're going to hear, I'm sorry. I'm not politically correct. I'm not religiously correct because I don't believe Jesus was. My job is not to make you feel good about yourself every time you walk in the doors. My job is to tell you what God has said, and then you're on your own. God forbid, though, that you should hear it and not respond. See, a lot of people, well, I was just going to tell you this. Every pastor I know, every pastor I have served with has prayed this prayer at least once. Because the enemy knows and he puts infiltrators, he puts imitators in. And all they do is yip. And you need people around you. Whether you're a pastor or not, you need people around you who tell you what God says. It says that is not who you are. You're not defined by your past. You're defined by your king. I got a long ways to go. Y'all need to listen faster. Um, here's, the, here's the issue. God designed you. I have a, I have a 220 plug here, right? Y'all see that? This is for a dryer, but it could be for an oven, something like that. Now, is it even possible to put a 220 plug in a 110 plug? Y'all know what a 110, that's a regular plug. Is it even possible? You know why it's not possible? Because when these were invented long ago, they knew some redneck in East Texas would go, hey, let's see what this does, and stick it in there. And this was long before the, the, the YouTube and internet and all that stuff. They would have take, somebody would have taken a video. It would have been on, what is it? What was it, 8 millimeter? Anyway, somebody would have taken that and, and put it on. They knew, so they had to make it where it would not fit in a 110 because some idiot would have tried it. Now, let's just say, for, for argument's sake, let's say that you could plug this in to a 110. What you would get is something that we have in Haiti. Every year we go to Haiti, we have a, we have a generator because that's just part of what we do. We bought a generator so that we would have a generator in Haiti because Douglas cannot sleep. The first three years, I did not sleep. And I said, I would lay there going, oh God, why do you hate me? And I would be laying in my sweat. And now we have a fan. But here's the deal. Um, we take our fans, and so this last year, um, the guys are in the library, and the girls are in the worship center, and they have wires running everywhere. Some of the wires are up in the air, some are on the ground, and, and dude, don't ever, don't ever, in Haiti, never touch a wire. Um, I haven't yet, but I'm sure that's going to happen. So when I go in there, I have a little squirrel cage fan, right? You know, the little yellow fan, uh, Lasco, I think it is, and, and they, it turns like this, and it has, you can face it anywhere. All right, so when you plug it in, it goes... It blows about that much because there's not enough power in the, in the little generator we have. We have a thousand watt generator. By the time you go everywhere, it goes. One night it went out and by the grace of God, Pastor Jude found somebody in the community and I'm talking, we're in the sticks, found somebody in the community had a 3,500 watt generator. Glory to God. 
flood my fan was blowing. It was blowing so much in that little library. People were covering up with sheets that night because it was serious. And I was going, oh, God, we got the power. (laughs) The vast majority of people in churches this morning all over this country have plugged into something that they were never designed to get power from that is not even close to powerful enough to run their spirits. And let me show you where I get this. This comes from scripture. Galatians 1.10. So you can remember this. Galatians 1.10. This is the 1.10. He says, does this sound as if I'm trying to win human approval? Everybody say human approval. approval. Say human approval. Thank you. No, indeed. What I want is God's approval. Am I trying to be popular with people? If I were still trying to, be, to do so, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says it is impossible to please God and please people at the same time. We're not even supposed to try. Now, what happens is we get these plugs. This is called a, a power squid. And let's say that, that you have some daddy issues, and so you try to find somebody whether you're a man or woman, you try to find somebody to find significance from. Let's plug into them. Or, or your spouse. Oh, my spouse. Surely if I get married, they'll make me happy the rest of my life. That lasts about... That doesn't even last the honeymoon, does it? Or Jeff Gillis. He's, he's, he's an elder in this church, and, and he's, he's, he's older than me. I can plug it in and say, Jeff, I need... I, he's not here. He was earlier. I need something... And the thing is, I'm going to be severely disappointed in every one of those things. I'm going to be like that little squirrel cage fan that's barely blowing because I need more power than you have. You need more power than I have. So how do we get that power? Well, let's go to the 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says this. I've been crucified with Christ. I know like what? What? I don't even know what. What did I say? Galatians 2.20, that's why I chose the the 2.20 and the 1.10. I got it a long time ago. Okay, y'all thought I didn't get it. All right, wow. 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have to show you, a lot of times I compare different translations. I want you to see this in the message translation. I've been crucified with Christ, and I want you to read this next section with me. My ego is no longer central. Read that again. My ego is no longer central. Somebody needs to say, ouch. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living isn't mine, but is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How does that work? My ego is no longer central. Well, part of it is the life you see me living is not even mine. I plug into God and I don't get to say to God, oh, hey, I don't like your plan for today. Because two words that cannot exist in a Christian's vocabulary if you're plugged into God, if you did experience a God, you know this, two words you cannot say are no, Lord. The minute you say no, you've thrown down that cord and you've gone back to the 110 and you're plugging into something else. And you're not going to get power, God's power. You're not going to be successful in the kingdom of God plugging into 110. You cannot say no because then he's not your Lord. Then it's no longer about him, it's about you. When I say no, it's all about me or it's all about what I think you think. 
So I recognize that error. I unplug from the wrong power source and I plug into the right one. And you do this by prayer. Let's say you're having some type of negative emotion and you say, God, I thank you. I'm even having this negative emotion because that negative emotion makes me think that I can't live without that person's approval. So you're going to have a a meeting and you say, God, I want to tell you that I love you. And this person's approval, if I have it bonus, if I don't, it's okay because I'm plugged into you. Regardless of what happens today, I'm going to draw all of my energy and inspiration from you, God. Do you think that might make your meetings go a little bit differently? God has this unlimited number of outlets because Jesus Christ is a transformer, not Optimus Prime. <laughs> Caleb was, was little when, those, when that came out. So he's this kind of transformer. So this, yesterday I was, stru- I was studying before I went to, uh, to Parents Day at SFA with Rachel. And so I just texted Jeff and I said, hey man, I'm just curious. Because he worked for Centerpoint Energy for like eight decades before he uh, retired. Not really. Uh, he said it only seemed like eight decades. I said, how much power is coming to our transformer outside? Just guess. And he said, probably 12,000 kilovolts, not kilowatts, kilovolts. Now, just imagine if, if that raw power came into this building, these lights, the computer, the sound equipment, how would they respond to that raw power? Boom, they go boom. And I'm telling you, I don't jack, I, I jack with 110. We talked about this at, at John's house the other night. I, I touch 110 and, and I've, I've been knocked off ladders here and, and there's all kinds of stuff. 220 though, one time I, I've jacked with 220 and there was lightning bolts coming out of the end of that thing. And so I don't touch 220 anymore. But just imagine if that came in unreduced, it would blow stuff up. Well, here's the deal. You cannot handle God's power. It is too great. Jesus Christ takes it And he gives you what you can handle. And here's the amazing thing about it. He has a promise that if you'll plug into him, look what he says in Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Not everything you agreed. Plug into God and he gives you what you need. The reason some of you don't have what you need is you're not plugged into God and you're not even honest about it. Here's the kicker. If if I plug into God, all I need is 220. But God's not a battery maintainer. I have a battery maintainer on my motorcycle to keep my battery up and it keeps it at 12 volts so that when I will go out there, I can start it. If, if you don't have a maintainer on there, it could blow up your battery because it'd be too much power for that. Jesus isn't a maintainer. Jesus is the transformer. He gives you what you can handle, but most of the time he gives you more. And what do I do if I have 330 volts or 440 volts? I give it to my wife and my kids. I give it to you. I live out of the overflow of my life. Go ahead and turn those. those I, was, I was just distracted. I see too many of you. You look better in the dark there, Thatcher. <clears throat> now, when I'm content in Jesus, when I'm plugged into Jesus and I'm content, I don't need your approval. And it allows me to love some really unlovable people. And can I tell you? They're not here today. I'm just kidding. If you work, actually, if you go anywhere, you're going to meet unlovable people. And when you're plugged into God, amazingly, you begin to see them as lovable. 
And see, when I'm plugged into God, I can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I cannot produce those things when I'm plugged into you. You cannot produce those things when you're plugged into me. Oh, this, this, I'll fire you up. Exodus 34, 14 says this. You must worship only the Lord for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. That's not good enough. I found another translation. Look at this other translation. I think this is the NIV. Do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is what? Jealous. Oh, capital J. The Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land for they, when they prostitute themselves, I'm telling you, the Bible's not politically correct. When they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. Now, nobody here that I know of eats meat sacrificed to idols. So what does this mean for us? What this means is if you plug into somebody who is not following God, and maybe somebody's following God if you're not careful, eventually whatever they're doing is going to infiltrate. We listen to songs we should never listen to. We go to movies we should never allow into our minds. We go and do things that would be an embarrassment to our heavenly father. And we do it just boldly. I'm forgiven. You don't understand forgiveness. And you sure don't understand what it means to have him as Lord. He's a jealous God because he knows you're going to plug into something. And he says, I want to be it because I have what's best in mind for you. Now, just, just out of curiosity, do you know what the, what the greatest sin that a Christian can commit? Do you know what that is? Ah, let's try. Multiple choice. Adultery. No, we, we, we have it up there. We can say that's not it. Second, gossip. We're just praying for them. Next one, Democrat. I'm just trying to get a rise out of you because I could. God is not a mascot for either, either party. God's not politically correct. I, I don't want to be politically correct. I sure don't want to be religiously correct, but God's not. God's, I just, just wanted to see how you reacted. Next one, homosexuality. Next one, none of the above. Let me show you. The greatest sin you can commit comes from the book of Revelation, chapter three, verses 15 and 16. The Bible says, I know you inside and out, God's talking, and I find little to my liking. You don't wanna hear Jesus say that. He says, you're not cold, you're not hot, far better to be either cold or hot, you're stale, you're stagnant, you make me wanna vomit. The greatest sin a a Christian can commit is to be lukewarm. Jesus said, get cold or get hot, but don't you be in the middle because you make me sick. Okay, ouch, what do we do? Well, skip to the end, Bobby. Revelation 2, 4, and 5 says this, you have left the love you had in the beginning. This is, this is the problem in your marriages. This is the problem in your friendships. This is the problem in your relationship with Christ. You left the love you had at the beginning. So Jesus tells us, here's how, you, here's how you do it. So remember where you left before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. Three things you need to do if you want to restore your spiritual life. Number one, remember. 
Every one of you who's a, who at one time was a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you don't understand this. New Christians are just on fire for God. Something happens and all of a sudden, yeah, my sins are forgiven, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm going to heaven, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, God wants me to have an abundant life, blah, 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 blah. What happened? You started plugging into other people or your job or your possessions. And all of a sudden, the freshness and the power of God is lost on you because you forgot. Second, change. Change your hearts. Every action you take starts in your mind, so you need to make some choices about what you're going to do. You have to choose. If you're not as close to God as you want to be, it's your fault. Make some choices. And then the last one is do. Do what you did at first. So yesterday, Janie and I go to the parents' um, day in SFA and, and we're walking out and I'm holding hands with her and we just spend time in the car and I just think this is one of the, this is my, this is my girl. Just spending time with, we're about to go on, on a little five day vacation and, and I'm going to pray for you once. I'm give you that. And then, then I'm not thinking about you anymore. I'm going to focus on my wife. We're going to do the things we, we, once a year we go just, well, sometimes more than that. We go just the two of us because we need to rekindle If you've lost your first love with Jesus Christ, you need to rekindle and you need to accept responsibility for your spiritual life. You don't ever want to hear Jesus say that you make him sick. So I'm going to play one more time, thy will. And I'm going to ask you, God's told you something today and you have a choice to make. Are you going to respond or are you going to ignore him again? The most mature prayer you can ever pray is, Thy will be done. Go ahead. I'm so confused. I know I heard you loud and clear, so I followed through.
there is no such thing as a casual Christian. It's a contradiction in terms. So either get on fire for God or get out. That's what he says. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I'm looking for people who say, I don't care how much it costs. I will say, thy will be done. Any of y'all willing to say that? Raise your hand. I pray to God that's true. Father, let us realize we just raised our hands in your presence. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in every one of your followers. So that if they try not to say something about you, they'll be like Jeremiah and it will be like a fire in their bones. Until the whole world hears. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.